Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Richard Brennan, who is an Alexander Technique teacher in Galway, Ireland. He's been teaching the technique for over 20 years and uh, is, has been for a number of years the director of an Alexander Technique training course there. That is a course that trains teachers of the Alexander Technique. Richard is also uh, a prolific writer. He has written more books than I can keep track of, uh, many introductory books on the Alexander Technique. He's also been featured in a lot of newspaper and magazine articles. And uh, particularly relevant to our topic today, he has a book on posture called Change Your Posture, Change Your Life, which is due uh, for publication in early 2012. And our topic today is going to be posture and what the Alexander Technique has to say about achieving good posture. Richard, welcome to the show. Hi, hi, hi Robert. Good to talk to you. Good to have yeah. you on the show. Um, could you begin by giving our listeners a short description of the Alexander Technique so they know a little bit what we're talking about? Sure. Um, for me, the Alexander Technique is about becoming aware of what we're doing, how much tension we have in our body at any given moment in time. Because if tension builds up without us noticing, we can be in a lot of trouble with back pain and neck problems and breathing problems. And I assume that uh, f from your perspective, uh, tension, excess tension, among other things, interferes with the quality of our posture. Well, exactly. I mean, they're very, very tied up together. Um, if I do Alexander Technique uh, introductory courses, which I'm doing all the time, um, I often say, can you put your hand up if you would like to improve your posture? And I've never known a class where everybody's hand has not gone up. Right. I think... I think uh... I think there is generally these days a growing awareness of, of, first of all, the importance of posture, both from a health point of view and also from a point of view of how people perceive you, how effective you might be in business or whatever profession you're in. And I think along with that has come a kind of a somewhat of a disillusionment with a lot of the standard advice for achieving good posture that you'll see in magazines and newspaper articles. Do you have? Do you share that uh, sense, Richard? Oh, I do, absolutely. I think the fundamental problem is that when people think of good posture, they think of a shape or a position. Whereas when children have good posture, it's dynamic, it's moving. And I think that is the problem, that people try to hold a position. And they do it exactly with what causes bad posture in the first place, which is excess muscle tension. Yes, I, I totally agree with that. In fact, uh, I don't really know exactly what the situation in, in Ireland or in Europe is, but here... If you if if someone if you say to someone, "Well, I help people improve their posture," 
they'll often sort of stiffen up, uh, kind of lift their chest, arch their lower backs, and get themselves into kind of an, um, a held position, as you describe, that's not all that comfortable. They're certainly not going to stay there all that long. And uh, it's, it's almost like a reflex action in response to the word posture. Do you notice that in Ireland as well? Well, they do that to the word Alexander technique as well. Oh, yes, they do. Yes. <laughs> well, that's a whole other story. And, uh, you know, you're, you're mentioning of people thinking of posture as, as a right position. I, I've, I generally uh, tell a new students who, who ask about posture that the, the biggest, one of the biggest problems is that we've come to use that word as a noun instead of a verb. And the verb version of posture that is around is a bit negative. But in earlier days, apparently, uh, posture was thought of more as a verb, as a, a dynamic process, not a fixed position. So how uh, could you then say a little how if someone comes to you for lessons in the Alexander technique and their reason is they want to improve their posture, how do you approach teaching them? What do you show them to do? How do you how do you work with that? Okay, well, I first have to explain when I talk about improving posture, I have to explain what I'm actually improving because I'm not improving their position. Um, like we've actually said, posture actually in the, in, in the Oxford Dictionary about 15 years ago, the word posture's definition was um, the relationship of one or more parts to the rest. Mm -hmm. So for me, relationship, if that relationship is fixed, it's bad posture. And if that relationship is movable and dynamic, it's good posture. It's, it's as simple as that. Right. And so I assume that a lot of people who come to you have inadvertently fixed themselves in some way. That is, they're holding on to a certain way of being and you then uh, use your hands and verbal instructions to help them uh, let go of that. Well, when they when I when they realise that they have to be free to have good posture, then we start talking about muscle tension and where they're holding it. It's often in the lower back, but it also is in the neck and it's also in the in the legs. In fact, when when we start to examine it, people are tense from the top of their head to the the toes. So what we do, what I actually do, first of all, um, for the first few lessons, I, I give them what, what I call a lower, lying down lesson, which is them lying down on a table, and I actually assess the situation by gently moving their arms or legs or head around. And when I feel the tension, I ask them to actually let go of it. And then after maybe half an hour session, maybe 40-minute session, when they get off the table they can see in the mirror that their posture has improved and they haven't done anything to improve that posture. It's just come about by them letting go of the excess muscle tension. Mm -hmm. and, and, so, and, and the process you're describing is sometimes referred to as a table work in the Alexander world. And uh, basically, one, I guess one way of looking at table work is that it's a way of 
connecting with what zero is for excess working or tightening that because you don't really have to do much when you're lying on a table um, but yet you often are and you learn to release that you get a better sense of what you what you don't need to do and how you can learn not to do that in activity would that be a fair description from your point of view or do you have another take on that no, no, that would that would be fine. But the the most interesting thing, and it and it definitely happened to me. And maybe I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about how I came to the technique. Um, basically, when they are straight and they can see in the mirror that they're perfectly straight in all uh, dimensions, they don't feel straight at all. They feel like they're leaning forward or possibly leaning to the side, mm -hmm. and then they get this idea that actually what they think is good posture or what feels like good posture is anything but. And what feels crooked is actually straight and it looks brilliant. Right, yes. I mean, that. I think all Alexander teachers run into uh, people's perceptions of what's going on differing often quite dramatically from the 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 reality. And, and as you say, you use mirrors, which of course is exactly what the developer of this method used 120 so years ago. When he was when he was working it out, so I mean, basically, you're showing people very directly that they can they can be standing up in a way that looks pretty good and not efforting to do it. Absolutely, and Absolutely. that that kind of demonstration is is worth uh, a lot more than reading a lot of articles or books on how to improve your posture. With the yeah. exception, of course, of the one that you're coming out with next year, which is going to have, I'm sure, useful Alexander-type suggestions, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. would you would you be uh, like to say a word or two about the kind of information that is generally out there about posture and why it's not useful? It it it'll, I think it relates to what you just talked about yeah yeah maybe maybe it might be helpful at this point to actually say how i came sure uh to the technique i, I used to teach people to drive mm -hmm. um and i sitting in in first of all the, in the car seats which are pretty awful most of the time um i developed a, a serious back problem uh, my father was a doctor and I went to see him and it was the usual painkillers and rest. And then I spent the next seven years trying to find a cure for my back problem, which went from bad to worse and even worse still. And in the end, my back problem was so bad, I couldn't walk up three stairs. Um, I was ho home ridden. I couldn't go out. If I walked more than about 100 meters, I would be in excruciating pain with major sciatic problems down the left leg as well. So I went to every physio. They were telling me to sit up straight. Uh, I went to posture classes with orthopedic surgeons. was basically him grabbing your shoulders from behind and kneeing you in the back. And um, the more I stood up straight and the more I tried to hold myself in an upright position, the worse my back became. And I find today that that's exactly what happens with major, most people with their back problem. The more they try to improve their posture, the worse their back gets. And then I went down the route of chiropractor, osteopathy, reflexology, homeopathy, you name it. 
and nothing really seemed to work. And then one day I met somebody who taught the Alexander Technique. I mentioned my back and he said, have you thought of trying the Alexander Technique because it can help back? I'd never really heard of it in connection with that before. And anyway, he he very kindly offered me a free lesson. And this was a, a very amazing story because the first thing I sat in my chair, I he actually said to me, do you always sit like that? Mm-hmm. And I said, sit like what? <laughs> and, and then he, right. he put the mirror in front of me and I was sitting about 20 degrees over to the left. And then he slowly moved my head into an upright position, which I could see in the mirror, but it felt like I was leaning 20 degrees to mm-hmm. the right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can and, picture that. Yeah, <laughs> okay. But the interesting thing, at the moment that my head in the mirror became straight, the back pain eased off dramatically, right away, immediately. Uh-huh. And then I, then I realized that when you teach people to drive, I've been sitting for 10 years, sitting twisted, because I have to see the road, and I also have to see if the pupil is looking in the mirror. So I've been sitting this 20 degrees in the car, and then it just became a habit. Right. Okay, so right. what I was doing with my posture was directly causing my back problem. And I would say with posture, if people can realize that the way they're standing, the, the posture they're in, causes a, a, a multitude of problems from breathing to back problems to neck problems. Um, pretty much, every, I don't know about it in America, but today nearly everybody is trying to wear orthotics or mm-hmm. something to correct their posture, which is actually just making things worse. And things are really getting worse. You can walk down the street and 50% of the population have something wrong with them, like mechanically knee, hip, ankle, back or neck. Mm -hmm. And I think your example as working as a driving instructor and sort of having to um, put yourself in odd positions while you were working and not really appreciating the effect of that, doing that unconsciously, and then I'm sure that as carried over into other into the rest of your life, that's a very common reason why people develop harmful posture. Uh, could be something as simple as uh, a, a woman who carries her uh, bag on one shoulder and sort of tends to lift it a bit to keep it from falling off and does that for fairly long periods of time and pretty soon that shoulder's being lifted even when there's no bag there and it's become a kind of a part of what seems normal to her. That's that's the insidious thing, I guess, that you can you can distort yourself and it, if you do it for a long period of time, it, 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 it'll seem like a normal way of sitting or standing. Yeah, it, it's comfortable even though it hurts. It's comfortable in one sense, because it feels normal, even though you have a pain in the shoulder. Yeah, so you don't know. Often people, um, you know, like, for example, someone who's distorting a shoulder over a period of time, the effects of that on the rest of your body are are, are unpredictable, but they, they're likely to ultimately affect everything else in some way. And for some one person, it might be low back pain. For another person, it could be 
uh, shoulder pain or knee pain or whatever. It, it just depends on how that misuse pattern propagates through the system. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. I, I did have one pupil, which is quite interesting, because all these aches and pains do build up. And then as we get older, we get stiffer and we put this down to old age. But it's not old age. Because if you go to India, you'll still see people squatting at the age of 80. I did have one person who came to me with a knee problem. And she'd gone to the doctor. The doctor had done all the tests. And they said, we've got arthritis. So she said to the doctor, I I don't know what arthritis is. And he said, well, it's just normal wear and tear of the body. Um, And because you're... Your knee is worn and torn. It was her right knee that was worn and torn. You were you were 61 and you'll have to get used to these sort of things at your age. She turned to the doctor and said, now you've really confused me. Because if it's normal wear and tear, I've got two knees. And as far as I'm aware, they're both exactly the same age. So how come one is worn and torn and the other is perfectly okay? She came to me for lessons and all that was happening is she was standing with all her weight on the right leg without realizing it. Right, when, yeah. yeah, I can when, picture that. Yeah. 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 And when she learned to stand on two legs, the arthritis disappeared. It went. Yeah, and I think that points to something um, that uh, is, is probably worth thinking about, that most uh, doctors, certainly most general practitioners, really are not particularly happy when someone comes in and complains about back pain or or in this case knee pain because they don't i think for the most part they don't feel they actually have very effective tools to help uh, of course a lot of back pain that someone who presents himself with back pain you know typically it goes away after a while although it could certainly recur and I think most doctors, you know, if they're going to do anything, they're probably going to end up referring them to a specialist. And the specialist uh, might very well want to operate on them if for some reason or other, if it's a surgeon. Or they might just give them painkillers and tell them to, to, to work through it. But I, think, I, think it's, I don't think it's unfair to doctors to say that most doctors really don't have a good fix on how to help people with back pain or those, well, those kinds of pains. Yeah. Well, like I said, my, my father was a GP mm-hmm. uh, and he was a very good doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, but he always used to say, even before I had any problems with my back, if you ever want a day off work, just say you have back pain mm-hmm. because nobody can prove you have and mm-hmm. nobody can prove you haven't. And even if you have, nobody can do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So that was his take on it. And even now, we have more chiropractors, more osteopaths, more orthopedic surgeons, more physios, but we also have more back problems than ever before mm-hmm. because nobody is dealing with the root cause of it, which is poor posture. Yeah, I, I think that's that's true. And it kind of segues into... Um, uh, the recent, uh, relatively recent study uh, conducted in Great Britain on uh, on back pain and the Alexander Technique, the sponsored by the National Health Service there, which um, pretty conclusively showed that Alexander, 
the Alexander Technique and a relatively small number of lessons in the Alexander Technique could make a significant difference in statistically quite significant difference in the level of back pain. And um, I believe now, from what I understand, that in in England, that uh, GPs are advised as kind of a first alternative for their patients to suggest Alexander lessons for people who are suffering from back pain. So I don't know what the situation in Ireland is. Uh, it's quite different. I mean, when I came to Ireland, there was only, a, that was about 14 years ago, it was almost unheard of. Uh, I do have, very fortunately, I do have a consultant coming to me at the moment who was a, a ear specialist mm-hmm. who had had neck problems for uh, 30 years and he had gone to every, because all his friends were consultants, he'd never heard of the Alexander Technique until one of his friends said, why don't you go and try that? He came very, very skeptically and was amazed that um, he, you know, he was helped within maybe four or five lessons to a, a problem that he had had for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and then... If he starts telling his friends, who are all doctors, then hopefully the word does get out. But uh, because mm-hmm. I find, even if you have a report like the national, um, uh, like the one that happened in Great Britain uh, some time ago, um, it takes somebody to have a practical and personal experience before they have the confidence to uh, refer their patients. Mm-hmm. So the more doctors that actually have back problems and come to Alexander Technique, the more people they are going to be happy to refer. Yeah. Because for some of them, they have no idea what, what the technique is. And some of it just lump it in with all the other reflexology and, and this and that. They have no idea that it, it is as profound as it, it is. Well, you know, maybe as a concluding uh, observation, we do have uh, in the U.S., a uh, recent study, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure you're familiar with it, uh, conducted in Cincinnati of uh, surgeons who do minimally invasive surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was uh, it was initially a small-scale study, but I believe there's a, a much larger one um, uh, coming online fairly soon, where uh, basically the the kind of work you have to do to do minimally inva- invasive surgery is very precise uh, movements of your hands. And of course, as Alexander teachers would, would quickly see, that's very likely to create some postural uh, imbalances. And um, it was it was shown that uh, Alexander le- those surgeons that had Alexander lessons did better, and um, I think that's the kind of thing, as you say, that's probably going to have to happen more in order for the medical profession to um, to really understand what the technique is and to to uh, suggest it to to patients. Uh, Richard, is there anything we haven't touched on that you'd like to add? We're going to do a second conversation on children's posture, but is there anything that we haven't touched on in this one that you you would like to mention before we come to an end? 
Yeah, just just one last point, Robert. Um, uh, we've talked about neck problems and back problems and all the uh, skeletal problems or muscular problems, but there is a, a much wider thing of it affects your breathing. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're if you're collapsed in front, it affects the breathing and all the internal organs. So there's a whole range of things that go wrong inside the body as well, which uh, poor posture. Um, actually causes, or if not causes, actually makes a lot worse. So uh, it's, a, it's a huge topic. It's a huge topic. And also poor posture affects the way you feel as well, emotionally. In other words, something like depression is because I'm depressing my body. Um, so it's, it's, it's huge, absolutely huge. Well, um, my, uh, my, I think we should end on that note. And... Uh, um, my my guest today has been uh, Richard Brennan, who's an Alexander teacher in uh, Galway, Ireland. And if we're going to put a link to his website by the interview, and if you're in that part of the world, be sure to contact him if if what we've talked about intrigues you. And I'll also be putting a link to a website that will enable you to find uh, an Alexander teacher anywhere in the world. Uh, Richard, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, my pleasure, Robert.